Bienvenidos and welcome to the Luna Magic podcast. Luna Magic is a global multicultural beauty brand inspired by the rich cultures of the Caribbean and Latin America, the hustle and bustle of New York City, and the glamour of Los Angeles. In our podcast series, we will shed light on the behind the scenes of building a business, the community that supports us, the stories of others, and a few things we've learned along the way to win big. Today, we have a very special guest on our podcast show, Sandra Velasquez, the founder and CEO of Nopalera, a Mexican botanicals bath and body brand created to elevate and celebrate Latina culture. Please help me to welcome the one and only Sandra Velasquez. Thank you, Mabel. So good to see you. I'm glad to be here to chat with you today. So excited to see you too. I know from looking at your social channels, you've been a busy bee. You've had a really like what I call a bombastic 2022. So I'm so excited to kind of like pick your brain, share with our viewers, our listeners, sorry, a little bit more about you, the Nopalera, and really, you know, some amazing things, some amazing wins that I see that you've you've accomplished. Let's start with the obvious. Tell us a little bit more about your backstory and your background. I think that you have, you've had like this jack of all trades. I think you were a musician or something along those lines. So how did you end up uh, on this entrepreneurship path? Um, yeah, you know, I was a professional musician. I was a lead singer of a Latin alternative band called Pistolera. I sang in Spanish. Wow. I toured. I released albums. You know, I played all over a lot of great things. I had a great run. You know, I'm really grateful for that. But uh, I had no plan on becoming an entrepreneur, let alone a beauty brand owner. That was not part of my life plan or roadmap. <laughs> but in the summer of 2019, I found myself unemployed. You know, even as a musician in New York, I still had to always have a day job because New York is expensive, right. as you know, and I needed health insurance. So I always had, you know, I was working as a sales rep for CPG brands and I was in between brands. So technically unemployed and, okay. you know, 43 years old, had a daughter, you know, she was 13 at that time and uh, no savings, student loans, credit card debt. And I, I really was just like my, I really felt like my back was up against the wall. It was really one of those life defining moments. Like, okay, something has got to change here, right? Because the answer is not going to be getting yet another job that doesn't pay me enough. Mm -hmm. um, to live and to save and to provide for my daughter. So it just, I, I really felt like my back was against the wall. Like really this brand was born out of my survival instinct. And um, I realized that I had to build something. I had, it was time to build. It was, it was time to stop working for other people and building their brands, but really start, you know, create my own. And, um, and I knew that it was going to be a culture forward brand. I knew that it was going to be uh, you know, a revolving around my culture, because even as a musician, that's what I had done. I had always used my platform to celebrate my culture. So, you know, I, I say from like from band leader to brand leader, it seems <laughs> like a big jump. But honestly, the mission is exactly the same. And I love to hear that. I think what I love the most about you um, and for those entrepreneurs out there, um, Sandra has this amazing entrepreneurship uh, email newsletter. And I love how transparent you are. I mean, you talked about you were a mother, you were, you know, student loans, you were really living paycheck to paycheck. And I think that, you know, a lot of when we go onto this path of entrepreneurship, a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of sacrifices in the background. And often more than not, uh, the entrepreneurship path is chosen out of either survival or need or this unwavering hunger to do something different or to really uh, find a purpose that in which you can celebrate yourself and move culture forward. So I love that just how authentic you are. And I think you do entrepreneurship of uh, good service because, you know, there's a lot of stories around out there, like, you know, the path to a million and everyone just sees like the, the big cushy headlines, but there's a lot of things in the background. Um, I think that I personally appreciate of how transparent you are. Um, that leads me to segue on the meaning of Nopalera. I think it's such a beautiful, just one word brand name. And I'd just be curious, how did you come up with that name? 
Yeah, well, you know, all Mexicans know what grew up in nopales. We grew up eating nopales. It's part of our mm. culture. It's part of our cuisine. My Every single person, not every single person, but it's very common in the Southwest, you know, or in the West Coast um, to just have, no, they're everywhere. Nopales are everywhere. My parents have one in their front yard. They have them in their backyard. My neighbor, my parents' neighbors have them in their front yard and backyard. They grow on the side of the freeway. They're literally everywhere. And uh, I knew I was like, this is a plant that everyone, every Mexican person recognizes. I'm going to build the brand around this plant. And nopalera is just the name of the plant when it's in the mm-hmm. ground. So it's called a nopalera. I love that. You know, we're, you know, it's funny because in this conversation, you were describing your experience and you know, that el nopal or nopalera, nopal, it's everywhere for us, you know, it kind of begs me to go on the path of like what Latin culture looks like and the diversity within the culture. So, you know, this concept of nopal, nopal or your plant was new to me. I actually came to learn it from your brand. Um, I also use your products. So um, I think it just, uh, it's, it's just an interesting thing to say. Like people usually think that Latinos were all one size fits all. But, no, you absolutely know, not. I know that it's very unique to your specific, you know, culture um, within the Latinx experience, if you will. Um, so definitely a point of education. Uh, Segue into that. Uh, I see that your products and your star ingredient is what you said, the nopal cactus plant, along with rich butters and oils. What benefits do you see from putting all these ingredients together? Like why a nopal? Yeah, so the nopal for several reasons. Number one, obviously the cultural symbolism. I knew, you know, there's 64 million Latinos in the United States and 60% of them are Mexican. Mm -hmm. So uh, I knew that by creating a brand around this plant, it would instantly be recognizable to everyone who is exactly like me, right? First generation or, you know, second generation or literally just got here. The nopal is on the Mexican flag. That's how Mexican, Mm. you know, if you look at the Mexican flag, there's a picture of a nopalera with an eagle on top with a snake in its mouth. So it's, it's just so it's an ancient symbol of Mexican culture. So that's number one. But number two, it's incredibly sustainable. You know, if you mm-hmm. cut a nopal, a penca, the, it's, the, the green pad, it's called a penca. If you cut it off and you eat it, in a few weeks, a new one will grow exactly from where you cut wow. that one off. And I don't know any other plant that can do that. Aloe vera does not do that. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so for me, from a sustainability standpoint, I'm like, this plant for me, it's just a metaphor of us as a culture that has been overlooked because it's literally, this is not new. I have not discovered anything. You know, this has always been here. Like I said, it's on the side of the freeways in California. I mean, you're in California now. Look on the, you know, you, you see them everywhere. Yes, exactly. And so for the sustainability alone is to me, I'm obsessed with that aspect. And also it's versatility. So we grew up eating it. It's historically been used as a food source in Mexican Mm. culture, but also amazing for the same reason that it's good for your digestion, that it's good for your health. It's also great for your skin and hair. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. packed with vitamins and minerals, antioxidant properties. And so it's, it's literally like, you know, those ingredients that people eat, you know, look at mm-hmm. um, like Ayurvedic, you know, medicine or skincare, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. have been eating these foods, you know, for, for centuries. And now people are using them in skincare. So it's pretty similar in that sense. I love that. And I think there's one point from what you said that I want to drive home around the idea that it's always been there. It's just you, you're kind of like with your entrepreneurship spirit, you're putting it at the forefront and educating even non-Latinx people on its properties. I think even when we look back to our experience building Luna Magic, it's a similar story in the sense that like, you know, like, We've we as Dominicans or Dominican Americans, like we've been here the whole time, you know, like when you really look at like, you know, the history of the conquistador, like the first city founded in Latin America on the Western Hemisphere was actually Santo Domingo in Dominican Republic. So I say that to say that, like, what's so exciting about, I guess, our 
thinking about culture forward is like entrepreneurs like ourselves who've maybe been in CPG brands or myself with corporate experience, we learned kind of how the machine works. And now we're bringing not only that training, but in addition to like that cultural piece that to your point has always been there. It's just a matter of us, us bringing in it more thoughtful forefront um, and more mass, if you will. Yes, absolutely. Looking at 2023, it's around the corner. Are you coming out with any new exciting products? Working on it, working on it. As you know, formulation, <laughs> R&D, it takes a long time, you long know, time. and then lead times, you know, are long. So yes, working on some new products. Uh, we, we definitely need to expand our SKU line. Um, looking always to make products that are practical, that people mm-hmm. actually need and use on a daily basis. That's why I started with Bath & Body, because we mm-hmm. all take showers, whether it's a right. pandemic or whether it's right. a recession, we all still take showers. So looking into other products that are in the Bath & Body category and, um, yeah, working on just, you know, planning. It's crazy, right, to plan, like, uh, fall 2023, but that's how far ahead we have to think as brand Exactly. Owners. I mean, and which brings me to a point a lot of people don't realize how tough and complex it is to create products and how oh, yeah. often you're really yeah. looking at a global uh, supply chain, um, yeah. right? You're kind of putting little pieces together um, to then hopefully kind of they all – in, in a way, I would think with Bath and Body, it's a little bit of chemistry involved, right? Because you have to like mix these things together, make sure that they like sit well together, test them, and then put it out in, in the market. Yes. Um, so there's yes. a science element to that. So just saying yes. that for our listeners to give us grace, they're always asking us like, do you have any new products? Do you have any new products? Yeah. If you guys only understood yeah. how much work it takes to yeah. bring a product to market, just give us a little grace. Enjoy the one that we have. We have more coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Um, all right. Segwaying into any, speaking of which kind of correlated, like any challenge that you've faced to get to where you are now? Uh, so many challenges. Where should I start? You know, it's, just, it's just been one challenge after another. Right. I think this one, you know, someone asked me the other day, they were like, so what were the challenges, you know, f- being a female entrepreneur, like how was that a challenge oh for you? It was like, that we was not the challenge. The challenge yeah, is yeah. not that I'm female. The challenge is that I had no money. The challenge right. is that I was a beauty right. industry outsider. So yes, I had CPG experience, but not be, you know, beauty is its own world, you know, it's its own beast. and if I you agree. look at, yeah. And if you look at, you know, our, like our big competitors in Bath and Body, mm-hmm. it's really easy now because LinkedIn tells you everything about everybody. You can Correct. see that my, my big competitors, those founders have worked for Estee Lauder for 17 years. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I did not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I, the reason I made my products for the first year was because I didn't know how to find a co-packer. How do I find a manufacturer? How do I find anything? I was literally coming in from the outside, trying to like scale the castle wall, so to speak. And it was, that was the hardest thing was just Mm -hmm. not even knowing where the resources were. And that's why I'm so transparent with people. And I like to provide resources to people because, you know, we don't all start from the inside, you know, and and just because you have access to suppliers and co-packers doesn't mean inherently that you're going to be successful, right? That's just one part of it. You know, you still have to build a brand that has purpose, right. that has a customer base. So that was the that was the first challenge was like, I don't even know where to find people. And then right. on top of that, I don't even have any money to pay for it. So <laughs> I had to be really creative. You know, I asked my designer for a payment plan. Right. You know, I when I was building the brand, you know, I built it for a year before I launched and mm-hmm. I had to get more jobs, obviously, because, you know, when I had the idea, I was unemployed, but I had to get, I ended up getting three jobs. So I got another job, you know, working for, for another, actually like a, another hair care brand. Mm-hmm. And then I got a job 
you know, as a sales rep for Van Leeuwen Ice Cream in New York City mm-hmm. as a territory manager. And then I started consulting at night. So I was like teaching wow. a class at night. Like a, I, I wrote a course, like a four week course, wow. really robust. I still even to this day have like a student group of like 200 founders in Facebook that like rely on me for answering questions. So I'm trying to let them go because I'm like, I'm busy now, you guys. Read the newsletter. Tell them to subscribe to the newsletter. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, that, those are the yeah. challenges, you know, the, I mean, just just to name a few, right? And then obviously making your own product and managing inventory. You know, once I got this this funding, you know, that I just closed, the first person I hired was an operations and supply chain manager. Correct. I Correct. was like, this is not my zone of genius. I have been, this has just been a big struggle to try to manage inventory. And so I'm so glad that that's no longer my job. <laughs> and it's funny that you say that. I mean, from your describing your challenges, all I hear is hustler. I mean, you have to a lot of people don't realize that with building a business, creating products, you have to have to also build a brand and then all the things that come in to that uh, experience. Plus, if you're doing business with retailers, I mean, that's another whole can of worms and making sure that as a small company, growing company, that you can actually like keep up with the pace of, of, of these massive corporations. So, I mean, I, even though you're describing it as challenges, I hear a lot of grit in your voice, a lot of gr- a lot of undertone of like survival, like by any means necessary energy, which I want to let these view, um, listeners understand that that is what you need to, to survive in today's climate of entrepreneurship. I think you need to be really like a, a problem solver. You have to kind of come to the table with like for every three problems, A, either you're going to outsource somebody to get it done, you're going to figure it out yourself, or you're going to think about creative ways to remove the financial barriers like you described with the graphic designer. You said, hey, do you have a payment plan, right? Uh, a lot of um, entrepreneurs don't realize that early on, most people are betting on you, on the on the founder. Um, and, yeah. and it's on the founder to, to come with a lot of creative ways to kind of like get keep the dream alive and well because it's so discouraging sometimes. Like you have this great idea and you realize that the people that you enlist in your community are in different places in their lives. Like you have your dreamers, the people that believe in you, no matter if it's, Whatever you're selling, I mean, I have that person in my group. They're like, you can sell socks for all I care, Mabel. Like, I believe you, but then you, yeah. but then you have others who are like more like risk averse, right? So you kind of also yeah. have to kind of figure out who you're talking to and what you're asking them, and be a yeah. critical thinker in that way. So that being said, so you've had all these what I call jack of all trade skill sets: a musician, a territory manager, etc. And now you're this founder CEO. Yeah. What's the striking difference between those jobs and the one that you're doing right now? Or are there any differences? They could be, you know, similar in some ways, but different in others. But how would you describe that shift? Yeah, I think that honestly, again, it sounds like such a huge jump. Like, oh, I used to be the lead singer of a band. And now I'm the CEO of a band. <laughs> related. But honestly, being I was the band leader. So I was the songwriter. Right. I wasn't just like the lead singer, right? I, I wrote the songs. I recorded right. the songs. I, I booked the tours. I, w- I, did, I was also a jack of all so trades in mm-hmm. that industry as well. And so being a leader is what I have carried over. And also music, again, people think of music similar to how people think of like, oh, you're writing a beauty brand. That just must be so fun. Like you must just be playing with colors all day long, (laughs) right? And so similar, people think like, oh, I was a musician. I just, it's just so fun. I'm like, no, it's 80% logistics, 20% fun, right? Mm -hmm. You are hauling gear from one part of town to the other. It's contracts, it's, you know, logistics, it's hotel rooms. It's, you know, so anyway- It's yeah, money. it's it's yeah. so much other stuff besides the 45 minutes that you get on stage. And Correct. so it's problem solving, right? And it's also advanced planning, right? You're planning, right. if you're going to release an album at the end of this year, then you have to work backwards. So same thing, production Correct. timelines, all of that carries over. But also music is so hard and there's a lot of rejection. And that right. really, right. 
You know, I have heard no more than I have heard yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's the people that keep going. It, you know, if mm-hmm. you are going to, if it's going to ruin you and devastate you that someone doesn't like you or doesn't like your product, doesn't like your song, doesn't like anything that, you know, whatever, name the thing, then you're not going to survive. You know, mm-hmm. I, I actually told my team, you know, last week when we were on a retreat, I was like, if we don't have haters, then we're not being bold enough. I literally say this to my sister all the time. I said, I'm in the business of winning trophies. Okay. Yeah. So if I don't have a hater, that means I'm not compelling enough. I'm not dreaming big enough. I'm not That's doing right. enough. <laughs> yeah. We're not trying to be me- mediocre here and like have everyone like us, right? Nobody signed up to be a loser. <laughs> so, you know, I think that that, right. So like, you know, a lot of rejection, you know, and leadership, all those things mm-hmm. have, have prepared me to do this because- mm-hmm. I don't think that I could have done this any sooner, honestly, you know? Um, So yeah, obviously big differences, right? Like dealing with supply chain is a totally different animal than, you know, not albums, but the, the similarities and the strengths that I carried over are, you know, are those the leadership and dealing with rejection and adversity. That's I'm like, yeah, if we're not fighting, what are we fighting for? (laughs) <laughs> Correct. And I actually agree with that, you know, because I think you can kind of draw parallels, whether it be a corporate career, whether it be like supporting your family who are small business owners, like the reality is if you're doing anything meaningful in which there's no cushion. And what do I mean by that? Like you talk about you didn't come from money. My sister and I, mm-hmm. we didn't come from money. We're self-made, if you will. There was yeah. a lot of planning and strategic thinking along the lines to make sure that we hit this benchmark of being entrepreneurs in our 30s. Um, and that took, you know, we understood that it, it took a lot of like planning, you know, while our friends in our twenties were probably clubbing and doing all these things. I was in a club or two, let's be clear. Um, I balanced my time. I was playing clubs. (laughs) You know, every once in a while I was, I was in there getting crunk, but, but with an eye of focus of, okay, like what is this leading up to? Um, Maybe out of every three club invitation, I go to one, right? Because we always had this vision, this North star around working for ourselves and bringing value and meaning, um, you know, to, to the world. So, using that as a benchmark to saying congratulations felicidades you've raised over 2 million i think it was 2.7 million in seed yeah. funding which is you know for people like us it's it's a huge feat it's yeah. a huge um undertaking and i would yeah. love to know if you can bring us along that journey how was that yeah. experience and what yeah. really contributed to the success of being able to have other people that are not your family members that's what mm-hmm. i try to explain to people if you can get somebody who's not your mom your dad your husband, your boyfriend, and your best friend, they are required to believe everything you say because they love you. Um, When you can go out there in the market and present a business opportunity and get other people that are not really, you know, connected to you in that way to buy in through their dollars, you're now at another level. So walk us through that journey. Yeah, the journey was tough. The journey Mm -hmm. was honestly one of the hardest things I've ever done, much harder than starting the brand. Because wow. you have you have to learn a whole new language. You have to learn right. a whole new game. I really felt like I was learning a new, a new game. I'm like, what are the rules of this game? What are the keywords? <laughs> what are the players? How do the how do how do my opponents think? You know, right. it's literally like learning a new game. That's how I right. felt, and I was learning as I was going. You know, it wasn't next time is going to be a lot easier because mm-hmm. I know the language, I know how it works. But right. doing anything for the first time at that level was really right. stressful and really you know, adding to that, the stress of like not having money. Right. So that's the thing is the trick is like, you have to become the money. Like Arlen Hamilton says, when you don't have the money, you have to become the money and you have to show up with that big money energy to these pitch presentations as if you're not desperate for money, but secretly you are. Correct. (laughs) So, you know, you're balancing a hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Your company's meetings like, no, no, I'm ready to say no to you. But inside you're like, oh my God, please give me money. 
Right. And so that that's stressful. That's emotionally draining. You know, I was um, it's a full time job. Right. So anyone that's going to go out and fundraise, please hire people to help you do other things while you do that, because mm-hmm. it's it really is a full time job. Um, and it was a lot of no's, which again, going back to my earlier point, I'm used to no's. I'm like, great. Right. Another no is closer to the, to the yes. To the yes. So, exactly. you know, cold, cold emailing people, cold reaching out to people, asking for introductions. So fundraising, if you're doing it for the first time, it, this is not the time to be shy. This right. is the time for you to just ask for every introduction. Like, oh, if, if you say no, Mabel, okay, do you know anybody that Correct. might be interested in this? And you're always having to ask for introductions. Correct. And you just need one Yes. You know, exactly. and really one of my big takeaways from this experience is that money begets money, mm. which we already know this. We know this intellectually, yeah. but to really yeah. have experienced it, I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. I was like right. experiencing from like, I felt like I was like floating above myself. Like, wow, this is really, <laughs> really floating interesting <laughs> to experience this because um, I know, I knew, I've heard this, you know, concept before, but right. First of all, investors are just normal people with more money Correct. than you. So do Correct. not put them on a pedestal. Correct. They are people in this, they're normal people in the sense that they also have FOMO. They also Correct. don't want to be first on the dance floor. Correct. Nobody wants to be first on the dance floor. Nobody, mm-hmm. you know, investors, some investors straight out told me, oh, well, we don't, we probably wouldn't come in at the first 500K. Let us know when you right. have a lead. So right. all you need right. is someone to be the lead or someone to commit. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, what's over there? You know, yeah. oh. And then the craziest thing is that at the end, you know, so now it's like stress, stress, stress. I finally got the lead. Then more angels came on. And then even at the end, like the last day where I was like, it's we're, the round is closed. People were still texting me. Is it too late? I'm like, right, 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 too right. Late. Where were you three months ago? You know, so this, <laughs> this whole thing is like, you know, money begets money. It's like once you mm-hmm. have money, it's, people want to give you more money. And Similar to like how celebrities get things for free because people are like, oh, you already have everything. Let me give you more stuff. You know, exactly. ridiculous. And if you know, it's funny that the one thing that you kind of highlighted is this concept around energy and energy is everything. Like I think yes. with entrepreneurs, it's like you have to when you're a visionary, you have to really walk with this abundant energy. This I got this energy, this um, you're missing out if you don't invest in mean energy. And to yes. your point, right, mitigating the no's in between, yeah. maybe not even yeah. sharing all of the no's that you're getting, right? <laughs> Just showing mm-hmm. the yes and the wins. But yeah. to your point, yeah. like talking about rejection here, like, because at some point, it doesn't matter how comfortable you are with getting rejected, it still dings a little bit, right? You still go into mm-hmm. this cycle, at least me personally, where I'm like, oh my God, am I not, you know, you, especially if you're like a critical thinker and you look mm-hmm. in words to uh, mm-hmm. make things better or to kind of yeah. like put your best foot forward. What is your process? For me, I meditate, right? When I'm going through a series of streaks of no's, I go into this kind of like self-care position to make sure that I can like rebuild my, you know, my arsenal of, of, you know, I'm that girl Mm -hmm. energy and then go back out there and take some more blows. So what do you do from a self-care perspective as you're navigating, you know, trying to get to the next level? Yeah. So I think similar to like meditation, I also meditate. Um, I have, I do guided meditation cause I can't mm. just sit in silence. I need someone to tell me what to do. <laughs> so, uh, but what I did is, you know, there's a quote, like focus on the road, not the wall. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept having to focus and envision like the money is in the bank. The money's already mm. in the bank. The money's in the bank. I feel the money flowing to me. Like just don't, you just can't allow like the the little voice of like it's never going to happen like right, you, you know right. to take over you just have to focus like it's happening it's already right. done i'm literally just walking closer to it and Correct. that kind of thing and just staying focused because you have to stay focused otherwise yes. you know that energy comes off like you will crumble in front of you know uh so 
I, you know, I do guided meditation. I, I do a lot of visualization. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of like it, literally visualizing like this, you know, the zeros in the bank account. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's already there. And like normalizing it, um, I think is, is the first, the first challenge is in your mind, you know, mm-hmm. because when I first set up to raise my bed, I was like, I'm going to go out and raise 250 K because <laughs> right. Not I was, enough. <laughs> I was coming from this like energy of like, I, I only want to ask for what I need to get by. Right. But let no, me tell you, anyone, anyone that's out there that's trying to go raise money, nobody wants to invest in someone that's just playing small and trying to get by. You have Correct. to investing in big ideas, big thinkers, mm-hmm. big energy. And so, you know, just that is super important, you know, for people to understand that if you're going to only if you're only looking for 200K, go get a loan. You right, know? right, right, right. Uh, Especially to your points. And I think it's a back to this concept of energy. I think for for people like us who maybe don't have parents that have exposed us to the reality yes. that money is abundant in this world, um, yes. you know, we kind of have to like do that extra step to, to train ourselves to, to, to dream big. Like, you know, when you look at entrepreneurship and, and, and investors, they actually want to, to your point, invest in big ideas. Like they, yes. they understand that as a new founder, you're actually building yeah an infrastructure, you're building something literally from scratch. Um, right. And what the, and, and what may mean a million dollars to us, which may seem like a lot of money for them, it's just like one of the 1500 investments that they're doing that year. So you have to, really, you know, there's a balance really with understanding or an education around how money works or venture capital works. Um, and then kind of mitigating that to make sure that you don't cut yourself short, right? Because at the end of the yes. day, I mean, it's business, they, they like you, you like them and you're dating, but yeah. I see, you know, fundraising as a way of like a marriage. And that's, I walk into the room with that energy. I'm like, mm-hmm. we're about to get married, but we got to mm-hmm. make sure that the, 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 the finances, but also the workability of this marriage yes. makes sense for both of us. Cause we want to yes. go all the way. Yes. And so, also what are people bringing to the table besides the money? Facts, facts. Like, with, facts. you know, to your point about the marriage, it's like, okay, what else are you bringing to the table? Are you going to take out the trash too? Or are you, <laughs> it's funny you say what that because you yeah, we had a meeting with one uh, inv- uh, one in- potential investor, and, and I was like, okay, yeah, to your point, aside from the money, what else, what kind of support do you have to founders? And it's funny, yeah. like, he's, he's, he sat back, and he's like, I- I- am I the one trying to sell you now? I'm like, yeah, like, <laughs> it's your turn, like, tell us, like, yeah. you know, because at the end of the day, it's like, to your point, what I want folks who are listening to understand, it's the money is a huge part of it, but access to networks and making sure that these investors are can help you with introductions and like just even like a strategy session around like, hey, we, we're thinking about growing the company in this way. What are your thoughts? That leadership or that thought partnership is probably just as important to me as unleashing the capital um, yeah. and also future introductions. Work is huge. I'm like, who do you know? Who are right. your friends? <laughs> right. Who do you hang out with? What do you do? Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so this, uh, that being said, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Ooh, to my 20 year old self. Um, mm-hmm. mm, I think I might say like invest. Mm, okay. Because, you know, to your point, my bad, like our parents, you know, my parents don't know how the stock market works. They, they literally would rather take money to a casino and, in, wow, and right. gamble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. then invest in the stock market because they think the stock market market is gambling. Right. right? It's so interesting. And uh, I just think like, wow, if my parents had put $50 a week into a custodial stock market account, I would already be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, we're just not financial literacy is just not part of our, like the fabric of our upbringing you know? And right. so um, I think that if, yeah, invest, you know, I, I wish. agree. It- 
I agree with yeah. investing. And, you know, what I've had to learn as I've gotten older is giving my parents a lot of grace. Um, I yeah. realized that they didn't know what they didn't know, um, yeah. you know, especially in Latino culture. I think there was an emphasis around family values and like, you know, this hurdle. We, we also had to learn English. My parents still to this day don't don't speak the language fluently, if you will. So to your point, yeah. it's like, you know, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to live in a country where you're not fully maximizing or or participating in it, you know, to its entirety. So yeah. in some yeah. ways, I, knowing like what they could have done for us, I'm also grateful with they did the best that they could. And yeah. and now that we yeah. are in this driver's seat, I, I say we're yeah. now the, the aunties and mothers to be and whatever, like how do we impart on our the future generation on financial literacy? Because I think that's such a significant part of, I think, succeeding yeah. in this country to your point. You spoke, totally. you spoke about student loans. I mean, don't even get me started there around, you know, that, that whole, you know, national crisis, if you will. Um, but anyway, so more future thinking, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Mm. In the next five years, I will be back in California. Okay. Um, I'm only, I'm only still in New York because my daughter's in high school. Hey neighbor. So, um, she's grad, she's a sophomore. So okay. once she graduates, she knows that we're going from, from, you know, from the graduation stage to JFK. <laughs> um, <okay. laughs> uh, and so I will be back in California. Um, I expect awesome. that, you know, the team will have grown by then and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we will be, we will, at that point, we should have, we should also be international, right? Cause next mm, year we'll be on, you know, building, expand the national presence, but by f- five years from now, you know, we should be in other countries as well. I love this eye on international. And I think this is why I, you're one of my favorite entrepreneurs because your vision is so massive and big. And, you know, I think I read somewhere where you were saying how, you know, they, they put us in a bucket, Latinas or this product created by a Latina for Latina with your eye on international, like what is your hope to kind of like think about the Nopaleta brand and how it can exist outside of this, you know, mm-hmm. this, this inspiration? Because the way that I describe it to partners that they're like, oh, you're Latina. So that means this is this this is cosmetics just for Latinas. I'm like, no, we use our founder story as inspiration, but yeah. it's truly like great makeup for everybody. So I know that you've had some you've contributed to that conversation around mm-hmm. being pigeonholed, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the eye on international. How do you think yeah. about that? Yeah, I mean, I I just, you know, and I learned this through the fundraising process, you know, how people pigeonhole us. And so I Mm -hmm. had to tweak my story and my pitch to get them to understand. Mm -hmm. And once I said, you know, you would never ask Lancome or L'Occitane or La Mer or any like Givenchy, Chanel, Clint, like the list goes on. You never assume that those are only for French people. You assume that we all want to aspire to be Western European. That's where colonialism runs really deep, that Mm -hmm. it's so ingrained that people just assume that, you know, we want to be like other people. And I'm like, no, we are going to make ourselves the aspiration Mm -hmm. because I do believe that the future of beauty is us aspiring to be ourselves. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when I, you know, we can take our Latina brand and I think that women in the Middle East can see themselves in our logo, who who we call the cactus goddess. I think that- Women all over the world can can relate to resilience. Women all over mm-hmm. the world can re, can relate to you know being proud of who they are. So, mm-hmm. you know, the culture is just it, it's the authenticity aspect, right? But it doesn't again to your point. We are not only making this for a niche community. Not not to, not even that we're niche. There's millions and millions of us. Millions you know? and millions but, of us, exactly. When you, when you take to- it out overseas, it's it's yeah. just another beautiful brand. You know, correct. Correct. Like you said earlier, you know, 60 percent of Latinos uh, of Latinos are Mexican. But then that 40 percent, I mean, there's what, 21 Spanish speaking countries in the U.S. alone. So there's diversity from that. When you, when you say international, I'm thinking 
South America, Europe, Dubai. I mean, it could be yeah. anywhere, but to your point, yeah. when you build a brand centered around values that are really more yeah. humanistic, right? Like yes. shared yeah. experiences that we have yeah. as people surviving in this yes. crazy globe. Um, yeah. It kind of allows it for it to be a little bit more than the pigeonhole story of bias yes. for us, which yeah. I think yeah. earlier on, when we look at the beauty industry, or even fashion, that bias for us story was like actually a winning strategy when you look at FUBU yeah. and things like that. But yeah. I think Global. in this day and age, people are looking more- it's evolved. And yeah, and, and I feel fortunate to be on the part of those group of entrepreneurs that can kind of want to champion that and, and help people kind of push that narrative. Because if you're creating great products, it shouldn't really matter who's creating it, if you will. The, the, the creative founder should be the inspiration of, of, of source. But even when I look at my cosmetic brand, we have customers that are not Dominican. They're not Latinas. They're actually like, you know, other women who just simply love makeup. And I think yes. that to your point, like around building a brand and the brand story is how do you kind of continue refining your pitch and your offering? Because nine times out of 10, when you look, especially if you're fundraising, uh, the folks on the other end, I mean, you're lucky because I think you 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 went through, uh, uh, you know, your who's on your cap table, uh, I think Latitude Ventures, but for the yeah. most part, they're not us, right? They're mm -hmm. people who are actually learning about us by investing in our businesses, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm going to wrap up the interview with one final question. How mm -hmm. have you used your success to make the world a better place? Mm. For me, it's all about impact. Mm. You know, I, I, I tell, I say this openly, we don't sell products, we sell purpose. Mm -hmm. And um, we obviously need to sell things to make money to drive the economic engine. But what we're ultimately selling is we're selling, you know, courage. We're selling resilience. We're selling... Um, and it's about uplifting the whole community. We want people to, to, to see themselves and to also feel like they are enough. Like we don't need to aspire to be anybody but ourselves. Correct. And, you know, when we lead with that, then it inspires other people to do the same. So that is, to me, it's about the impact. You know, when I'm like lying on my deathbed, I'm like, did other people <laughs> live boldly? And did they make, did they live courageously because of something that I did? Then I'm good. Correct. And I love that you said the word impact, you know, for us is really similar. Like, yeah, we're in the cosmetic space, but it's really, we're in the self-esteem business. We're in the, yeah. you can do it business. We're in the, yeah. uh, we're in the hustlers business. Yeah. We're, in the, yeah. we're in the biz. We're sharing the idea of the American dream is alive of well, the, 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 yeah. the concept of possibility, which, you know, yeah. when you really think about it, it's so, it's so um, contagious, you know, when people see other people doing great things, especially people like us that come from more, yeah. what you call disadvantaged backgrounds. Like yeah. it, you know, my hope is that through our stories and this podcast today is that we can continue to inspire more entrepreneurs. I remember yeah. that when I was researching, you know, starting Luna Magic, I spent a lot of time listening to podcasts and listening yeah. to, you know, how I built this and yeah, other people that were farther, yeah, farther mm -hmm. along in the journey. And that's kind of the, the inspiration behind today. So Sandra Velasquez, yeah. thank you so much. You've shared so thank many you. amazing nuggets. Congratulations. I hope you've taken a moment to celebrate $2.7 million in seed funding. The future looks bright to you. Deeply respect everything that you do. Thank you for uh, the time today. Thank you. Thank you.